welcome to this Field of Geeks special. Today, we welcome back our old friend, comic creator, Ethan Murphy of Echelon Graphic Novels. Ethan has been gracious enough to sit down and talk with us about some wonderful breaking news. With that said, let's get to it. Steve here with Field of Geeks. I'm with Ethan and Josh. There we go. <laughs> so we want to welcome back our old friend, Ethan Murphy. You know, for those of you that either don't know or have forgotten, or for the literally thousands of new listeners, I don't know, five or ten, who knows. Uh, Ethan, <laughs> he's the force behind Echelon Graphic Novels. Uh, Echelon brought us uh, a very beautiful, beautiful vision called Slayton Ash, uh, one that uh, I've enjoyed immensely. Uh, Echelon uh, and, and Ethan's company, they're assigned a development deal with Platinum Studios. Now, Platinum Studios, you may be familiar with, they uh, were kind of the spearhead behind a couple super small indie films, uh, Men in <laughs> Black and Cowboys and Aliens. Um, both films I really, truly enjoyed. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens, I just got a huge kick out of. Grew up as a big Western fan. My dad was a big Western fan. And, you know, and as a huge sci-fi nerd, you know, being able to combine that and mash those two things up was just one of the coolest things, you know, I got to sit through and, and uh, seeing it in the theater was just great. But you know, this is this is a big, big deal. You know, and uh, particularly, obviously, for Ethan, and it can lead to all sorts of cool opportunities. You know, film, streaming, TV, uh, and again, as a huge fan of Slate Nash, uh, you know, I'm just super excited. It'd be really fun to see to see that uh, blossom out. So, uh, welcome, Ethan. How you doing? Thanks, Steve. It's good to be back. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a minute since I was last on the show. When I was last on the show. Slade Nash was right in the middle of, a, of, its, of, its, of its run. I was like halfway through. And you guys are very gracious and welcomed me back. It only took me four years to come back. So, so I'm happy to be back. <laughs> Has it really been that long? Holy smokes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was on right when the, the fourth issue just came out. And so, yeah, it's been about four years. Wow. Yeah, it was. Um, and thanks for getting me the rest of it to read, too. That was. Of it was just it was just a, a ride to finish it and uh i started them last night from the beginning just you know to kind of i'm a completist that way i have to kind of binge it all at once and, <laughs> and uh and and finish it up this morning it was just it was great but uh so you know with this whole deal with platinum studio you know it's funny because when i first heard platinum studios i i thought is this the film studio that makes these really cheesy bad movies and and i was Confusing that with Edgewood Studios. Now, I don't oh, know if you know who those those guys are. I'm a big Riff Tracks fan, Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah, they pick these B and C type movies and just destroy them. And that's Edgewood Studios. So let's, let's I just want to clear that up for everyone. Uh, there's no confusion there. Platinum Studios is not Edgewood Studios. No. So, no. you know, Ethan, how did all this come down for you? How, how, how did it all go down? Long story short, Steve was just that I um, I kind of played the long the long game where I wanted I knew for a fact that I wanted the comic uh, that I was working on the graphic novel I was working on to potentially end up in the hands of someone in L.A. a big wig, and for them to potentially say, "Hey, I could see this uh, I'd be either being adapted into a show or a movie or an animated series or something." But I knew the best chance I stood at getting my getting it into the hands of a, a big wig was to go to, to go to actually go to LA. And at the time, I was living on the East Coast in Virginia. So I, um, after I finished the sixth issue, I set up a 
at LA Comic Con, or formerly Stanley's Kamikaze. Oh. In 2018, I got a table with a buddy of mine who lived already lived out here in LA. And um, at, at that convention, I was just hustling as, as much as possible. I had the table with the books there for everyone to see, but I was hustling as much as possible. I went around at that con looking for anyone that had like a, a booth set up that was with the either Marvel or the big wigs or the, even uh, executives or producers, movie producers, that kind of thing, because they, they all go to these cons in LA. And um, I just, for the past, like over those three days, I was just kind of doing everything I could to find someone. And luckily enough, an executive came to the table uh, named John Machado, who's like my mentor now. Who we, everyone jokes around about us that he's Batman and I'm Nightwing because I'm learning from him right next to his side, essentially. <laughs> but uh, he came to the table and uh, he had this big, huge smile on his face. And he goes, uh, hey, what's this? Uh, he goes, pitch it to me, pitch it to me. But he said, and I said, okay, it's basically Big Trouble Little China meets The Walking Dead or a lethal weapon uh, meets, you know, meets Monster Squad or something like that. And he goes, oh, great. I love, oh, I love those things. That's great. That's okay. Sounds good. He goes, well, how about I buy the first half today? If I like it, I'll come back and buy the rest tomorrow. I said, sure. That sounds great. Wow. And so he did just that. He bought the first half. And then the next day he came back and said, hey, how you doing? It's me again. Remember me? And I said, yeah, of course I remember you. How are you? And he goes, great, great. Uh, I didn't read the books yet, but... Uh, I'm excited about it. And so we just talked for the 10 minutes about things and he gave me his card. And that's where I saw he actually was an executive and he worked for Platinum Studios. And I was, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And I was really, really, really hoping that he would in fact like the books when he finally read them. And sure enough, about two weeks after that, after I got home, he uh, was trying to hunt me down with emails saying, hey man, can I please get the rest of the books? I'm dying, I need closure, I need to know what happens. <laughs> and so I gladly sent him the rest of the books. And he um and he ended up like he ended up loving the ending. And he asked me, he said, "Can I please have your permission to show these to my uh, to show these to the head of the studio, oh my to Scott Mitchell Rosenberg?" I said, "Scott Mitchell Rosenberg, of course, please do." And I was you know like kind of uh, trying to not to faint over email. <laughs> I bet. And uh, it was a huge you know big thing, big opportunity and stuff. And and uh, after and Scott Mitchell Rosenberg is a person who he gets all kinds of comments coming his way, all kinds of submissions and whatnot going his way. So it takes a lot to get his attention. And luckily enough, John uh, kept nudging him until Scott finally read it. And after Scott started, started reading, he you know, burned through all of it real quickly. Then he burned through all of my series real quickly. And he uh, wanted to wanted just to actually option all of my properties. Uh, and he was very, very gracious and very, very kind. And that's how it went down. It was pretty much just being able to actually, luckily enough, get the right place at the right time, the right convention at the right time, meet the right person at the right time, right. and have that person fight for you uh, with the, the powers that be. Wow, that's fantastic. So, yeah, that's that's just, that's amazing. And and so you made the move from Virginia then to California. How did that go? It was, I mean, before COVID. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy because obviously going all the way across the 3,000 miles across the country, to a whole new land like a, this Virginia is technically part of the South and Southern hospitality is a very real thing in LA. It's very much, there is a bit of the, it's, it's, it's pretty much your, the way I put it is that everyone's kind of an introvert, but no one really bothers to try and help anybody else out because they're almost they're all just in their own world, in their own head. And for some of us, some of us for safety. So just getting used to the idea that being, going from everyone opening the door to everybody else and everybody kind of nodding and saying, hi, how are you to everybody? To everyone just doing their own thing and staying very insular. That took a, that's a bit of a culture shock. 
and also the prices. Things out here are literally <laughs> twice as expensive wow. as they were back in Virginia. So, but uh, but 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 there's also some great things too. I mean, <laughs> the just to be blunt, I've yet to meet a I've yet to meet an unattractive woman out here. They're all <laughs> uh, they're all too good for me. They're all way too good for me. So it's a there are plenty of perks, plenty of benefits out here. Um, you're used to it's in this, and I, I'm very, very fortunate that I get to work with so many creative people too. Like it's there's a there's an overflow of creative people and artistic uh, minds in LA as well. That's just awesome. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you gravitate towards that side of it. I, I would be thinking about the big thing moving to the West Coast would be In and Out Burger, but you know. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> but, but in, so here's here's the thing. In-N-Out Burger is so overwhelmingly popular. There's people, there's lines and lines and lines for it, which is fine. But for me, the, there's a burger joint called Fat Burger or a chain called oh, Fat Burger. I've heard that? Which, yeah, that's that's to me, it's it's definitely better. And there's no lines for it, so it's like, of course I'll go there, it's right? But yeah. Fat Burger is amazing. Uh, there was one in Colorado Springs. I used to work uh, at a place, and I uh, part of my team was in Colorado Springs. And so every time I'd fly out to the Springs. Fat burger every single time. It was a it was a must hit. So yeah, I'm glad. Yes. That's cool. I haven't heard yes. of it since then. I didn't know they had it that far out. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, next time I send you a comp books, I'll send you a fat burger, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in ten foil, it'll laugh. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> a little well, little know, heater on it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know now now that you've got this deal with with platinum, you know you're going to be uh, riding around in Ferraris and and things like that. Like Mr. you do, Mr. Big Shot. You know, but but on a serious note, though, what changes for you with your properties? And what I mean by that is, you know, from a creative influence side, what do you retain? And, you know, do you still maintain your creative control from a comics perspective with Slate and Nash and your other properties? Good question. Uh, so, yes, I actually do. As far as the comic books and on paper, uh, because it's, it's a partnership. So Echelon Graphic Novel still exists as its own separate entity. So everything that we're doing, we still have free reign to do it. Uh, like Scott can't even, or Scott or anybody at Platinum, they can't even influence the things I write about or the stories I, that I make or whatnot, or even tell me we want a sequel for this comic book. None of that can happen. What they have control over is the film rights or the on-screen rights, like the TV and things like that. And I get a percentage or a cut from that uh, every time it's used or whatnot. Um, and I can have some, I can, of course, be informed of everything that's going on in that, in that realm. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost, it's basically like the film rights are what Platinum Studios, they have. As far as the comic book rights, I still have all of those. And then, of course, they, the studio is going to pull off the comic books, essentially, to make the, to, turn, to develop those into the, um, the on-air, on on-screen properties. That's awesome. Nice. Is it, and that's, that's good, because you, you never know going into a partnership with this kind of thing, what you know, where people try to muscle in, where they don't. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Warner Brothers, but, you know, so, it's, uh, <laughs> right. um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, you just, you know, it, it's important for, you know, it's important for me and, and, and you know, is and you as a friend of the show that, you know, we, we've, we've loved you so much over the years that, you know, you maintain that stuff and, and you're not getting, you're not getting hosed over because I'll send the guy pictures of me shirtless and nobody wants that you know, so we'll <laughs> consider him warned um but with the, with, the, with this deal with platinum uh, as a creator uh what's important to you when navigating that partnership with platinum when it does come to the screen the biggest thing too and this is something that obviously is already in effect is that the 
Scott Mitchell Rosenberg is one of the guys who has a, the biggest amount of say because it's his studio, what he does. Obviously, he made Cowboys and Aliens, brought that to life. He brought Men in Black to life, but he's a producer too. And he has a lot of final say on things and he's highly influential. So he, because he loves and respects Slate and Ash and other properties so much, I know that he won't let them get, for lack of a better word, uh, mutilated or bastardized. They won't, it won't right. be like, you know, Slate and Ash obviously has uh, a certain feel and tone to the book. He won't let that, he won't let that get transformed into something completely different uh, for the sake of making a few bucks or just going, going the Hollywood route. Sure. Knowing that there's actually going to be some integrity, some artistic integrity that's going to be that's going to transfer from the graphic novel in onto the big screen or even the small screen like Netflix or whatnot, really means a lot to me because that's what I would want the most. I would want to make sure that uh, part of Slade Nash, a big part of Slade Nash, is that it's a comic book that was developed by a, by a, by a black man that features a black lead, um, and so if the studio sometimes back like in the past they would just completely quote-unquote whitewash things mm-hmm. and they'd have the lead you know, be made into a white character and that'd be it that's all that'd be all she wrote and i know that scott won't let that happen and that the studio the studio itself doesn't let that happen right so that's one of my main priorities is keeping sure that the tone mm-hmm. of the book is still there and that the actual important elements and message that those are there as well Great. yeah that's that's awesome and if you've if you've read the book you know that it's as you read it it's what i call a bingeable comic um you know, as a slight comics fan, you know, I, over the years, you know, in the 20,000 I've got stored away in this closet, some are <laughs> easy to just burn through and some are not easy to burn through. They're good. Uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, there's an example. Yeah, I, I can't binge that. Um, I, I, <laughs> it's very dense. Yeah, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, with yours, it's fun because it's easy to binge. You can... I can visualize it on screen and the writing is smart and it fleshes out the characters, you know, especially in a way that, that feels more organic to the story than just, you know, Hey, here's your uh, token flashback origin story. And, and, you know, the, the tree sap is kind of what I'm getting to. It, it's just really cool oh, yeah. to, yeah. to kind of see, uh, uh, see, see how that stuff gets fleshed out. So, I mean, it's just, not only is it bingeable, but it's fun and it's smart. And so that's why you. if you've read it or if you haven't read it yet, it's it's something you can easily see on screen. And, and you know, when I read a book, uh, you know, I, I can always tell some of these are better than others. Some of them aren't. And, you know, some of them are amazing books. Some of them probably wouldn't translate well to screen. This this does both. So uh, excellent job. What changes with Echelon? Um, are you... It sounds like so far you're good to go as a separate entity. I mean, you still get, you're still able to collaborate with all your friends and your partners. And uh, uh, but does in another part of that question is with this partnership, will it open you up? You think to work with other creators? Yeah, absolutely, immediately. So the the actual press release that was in Deadline, and Deadline's obviously a big, huge you know outlet out outlet for entertainment and whatnot. Um, yeah. it's, not, it's not the biggest. The second the press release went out, um, literally about two minutes after that, I had uh, so many people reaching out, so many artists and creators reaching out to our site, emailing, saying they wanted to work with, work with me or submitting their work um, as far as either they were a writer or an artist or whatnot. So it's kind of, and it's been going nonstop. And our website got hit up. People were buying our books. Uh, I think we were able to restock a couple, but we were almost, almost sold out still. It's, it's crazy. So 
it, it's since the partnership was officially made or, or made official, it was just a such an overwhelming out, outpour of uh, support from the fans and people that were trying to work with us. And I love it. And now we have, we've already hired uh, since then in that, in that month or so, since the, the press release came out, we've hired uh, two new writers. We've hired a new writer and new writing consultant or story consultant. Uh, we've hired a, a PR, uh, head of PR, head of marketing. We have a publicist, official publicist, and we hired uh, two new artists. So it's like the, the, our little company has grown a lot uh, since then. And we have new projects coming in down the pipeline, new books, books that I'm not writing, that people that, I, that I've seen their own materials in their work, people that you know, have submitted multiple times, either Image or IDW, creator-owned sites, that, um, companies, I'm sorry, creator-owned companies that were trying forever for the longest time to get in there that uh, reached out to me and, uh, and I saw their work and it's actually, it's actually great stuff. So it, so it seemed like a great time to actually spread out to make our company a bigger thing and actually have give opportunities to other great creators to make their, their dreams come true too. Yeah, this is where it starts, my man. It's a, uh, you know, what a, what a just awesome opportunity. You know, it's a uh, jealous is one word, but happy <laughs> for you and grateful is just, you know, I mean, I, I just, yeah, you know, no one, no one deserves it more, man. You've, you've, well, you've always been just a class act and uh, uh, always been great with us. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, after Slate Nash is, you know, number one in the, in the theaters, we'll be able to, uh, you know, still have you on at some point and, of course, and, of and chat about it. So, you know, so speaking of that, you know, something, something like that goes to the theater or goes to Netflix or, or whatever. Dreamcasting, Slate Nash. I mean, these yeah. are two obviously very different characters, which is, the, <laughs> which is the coolest part about them. Who plays Slate? Who plays Ash? You know, and, uh, and then who plays the uh, aging, bald, overweight podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we the the there's the last one first. A good buddy of mine, Steve Wright, or Stephen Wright to his his, his friends and family. Uh, I've tried for the longest time to get him out to cast him officially in Hollywood movies. And he's just so big time. It's hard. It's really really hard. Uh, I was keeping. I hear the trying. guy's an ass. So you know, uh, getting get a hold of this guy's impossible. But, I'm yeah. I'm his agent actually. He just come through me and uh, <laughs> it's, it's your fault. That's I'll why. take I'll take the check and I'll I'll give it to right, him. Right. Wink. He's got to add a few more comments to the check first, I guess. Yes, but, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have fees, so, so obviously. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But what's funny about that too, Steve, is because obviously you, you do lots of you and Josh both do lots of voice work because your uh, your podcast is great. Podcasts, accomplished podcasters. We're actually doing the radio play version of these properties first, or Ooh. kind of like a comic book on tape. We're doing it with actual voice actors because I'm actually out here in Hollywood, so I know a whole bunch of actors and voice actors. And we're also nice. putting in music, original, either original music or music that we have from like composers that we've, that we've known and that people actually you know, paid money to actually have their songs used and actual real sound effects and Foley and everything else. Wow. So we're doing that with their, the, the first script that we're doing it with is for Ipswich, the upcoming uh, fantasy subversion book. And we've actually, we actually got that recorded and done pretty much. But then, of course, with Slade and Ash, we're going back and doing that one next. So having you, you be a great voice to be in that, Steve, as far as uh, either, <laughs> either you know, uh, Brian Mink or uh, it's like a big guy. I see he's a big powerhouse kind of a guy that's that's rough and brutal. But so, <laughs> so if you if you're up for if you're up for uh, for being a star, being a celebrity, being hounded by countless women, uh, my friend, we got the role for you. Wow. 
you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. As far as dream casting goes for the actual live action with Slade Nash and whatnot, which is a, it's a question that you asked uh, the last time I was on the show, I remember. I think at the time then I said Michael B. Jordan, but that was years That's ago right. when he was he was much more on some level accessible. Now he's, of course, <laughs> the biggest thing imaginable. It won't happen. It's impossible. Right. But, uh, but one that I could definitely see uh, portraying the character well is someone like a Jesse T. Usher. He's a train in the boys, a show like yes. he's, he's he's definitely got a little bit of it, some credit to it, but not too much. But he also has personality and flair for days, and uh, he has a bit of an ego in the, the right kind of way. He can be humbled on, on screen the right kind of way. That's something that Ash Ash makes all kinds of mistakes and gets humbled like crazy, which is a big part of his charm too. Uh, so someone like that I could definitely see it. And Slate Slate a Vikram Slate. He's actually he's actually Pakistani. So my first choice is the same one from last time I was on the show. Uh, which is Camille Nanjiani. He's also gotten a lot bigger than he was before, but he's he's still nerdy enough, I think, that he'd be for the opportunity to play a you know superhero in another comic book, so to speak. Well, that's yeah, actually are, why he got in awesome shape. Choices. Yeah, he's, he's, he's super buff. That's the thing. He's super, Camille is super buff now. He's trying to kind of, approach you. Yeah. It's still my heart. It's still my. I I really thought that was Doctor when I first saw that photo of him. I had no idea he was getting into shape for that part. I think everyone. Yeah, everyone. Pretty much everyone. Part of it is he just looks so good, but also it's like we're so used to seeing him. Yeah, look so different. That Marvel diet, man. We all need it. I mean, Marvel diet diet is crazy. Oh, it's probably illegal, and maybe it shortens your lifespan. But gosh, you look good, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have you have me at illegal. (laughs) Just eat this, drink this. So I mean, (laughs) and that that Jesse T. Usher you mentioned, like that actor's grown on me. Like the first time I saw him was. And it could have been because of the material, Independence Day 2 or whatever yeah, it was called. I didn't think that was terrible. his, yeah, I don't think that was a great part he did. And no. I did see him in Shaft and right. in The yeah, Boys. Exactly. So he's definitely grown on me. Like, it clearly was the writing or he just grew as an actor. I don't know which, but yeah, that Independence Day yeah. performance would, did not win me over. But after that, I gave him a chance and... Yeah, I think he's he's very talented, and he's probably more affordable than Michael B. Jordan yeah, yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody. Yeah, yeah right. exact same way, Josh. They yeah. saw, when I first saw research, I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. He was so bizarrely wooden and stiff. And then, yeah. like you said, too, even in The Shaft, The Shaft movie was kind of bad as well, but multiple, multiple generations of The Shaft, this mm-hmm. is okay, but yeah. still not quite there. Right. And then, especially with The Boys, and he had a movie on Netflix where it was him and... Um, a woman who plays Veronica on Riverdale, they were like a loving, like a couple in some oh. kind of a weird, like a thing. But they, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, when I saw those, it's like, yeah, he actually does have lots of range and sure. lots of talent, or is at least had better material to work with. So yeah, I that had that had to be it, right? Or he just got a hell of an yeah. acting coach. I don't know which, but let's, <laughs> Independence Day 2 probably everything. was not the top notch of writing. <laughs> so, no, 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 God, no. Maybe the first one, even. So, <laughs> Uh, Roland, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I just got to talk about the very end of Slate Nash. Sure, um, sure. A spoiler alert for. Uh, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to go spoilers. I'm not even going to oh, go spoilers. Wow. My only question is, when the hell are we going to get more? <laughs> <laughs> fair, very fair question, uh, and it's something because it, right after, of course, I did post it on. Uh, the, the press release happened, and we had a surge of people buying the books and everything, and, and, 
and people that we had a surge of people that were reading it, we got flooded with emails asking us when we were doing the sequel, uh, and, which is something that Scott asked me literally in their first conversation him and I had on the phone. He called me from, from California and I was in Virginia. Uh, the second question he asked me was, when is the sequel coming out? So it's like, all right, well, I guess I better, better write one. So the sequel is actually already in the works. I've actually outlined uh, most of it already. It's, it's already already happening. It's already going to happen. So it's it was it was planned from a while back. I just, hey, I just started writing other stuff, but I, I, there is a sequel planned. Uh, the first few issues are coming out in 2021. So you get a chance to have a follow-up in 2021. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm going to go spoiler free, but, uh, you know, it's one of those where you think, oh, hey, cool ending. Awesome. Flip the page. Holy shit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, well done on that. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, well, I think thanks. my wife, I startled my wife when I'm like, what the F man, you know, I, <laughs> at the very end, that was great. So, well, uh, good stuff. Well, but well, what's uh, funny yeah, about so, it too? Uh, it's just nothing. Uh, sorry, sorry, cut you off. It's just no, the idea. I, I wasn't sure I wanted one. So originally, I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep the two paired. If everyone's going to survive, and then if everyone's going to be together, and so all those things. So, but then I realized, uh, writing the third issue, I realized, oh yeah, I have to do a sequel because I enjoyed seeing them together so much. So I was like, I got, I got to follow it up. I can't let it end here. So, so yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and and it's it's funny how as the book progresses, you know, that relationship, it just between the two is obviously a, they're so opposite, but it's also so organic, you know, and, and, and by the end, it was just, you know, it was just, it was awesome seeing them together. It was, and like you said, you know, it's, it was cool to see uh, Ash get humbled a little bit here and there, but still always taking it in enough stride to still be Ash. (laughs) 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 So it's a, it was just great. Well, well, thanks. Thanks again for checking it out. Appreciate that. Absolutely. And thanks for, thanks for sending it. I got a question if I may, uh, just the writing process alone, like, do you usually act it out too? Like I kind of find myself doing that sometimes for my own sake when I write something, do you act it out to see if it, it sounds right? Or can you just read it and be like, yeah, it's good. You know, write it and read it and it's good. I I do. Yeah. I do a little bit of both. Josh. I do. um, I think I mentioned before I was on the show. I know I mentioned to Steve off air before that I did, I do a lot of improv, he knows that. Sure. Um, so I did improv for almost going on eight years. So part of improv, I did that to help me learn how to get past writer's block, but also nice. how to really get into character uh, or, or basically treat things like an actor would. So I do actually, when I'm writing, when I'm writing the scenes out for the characters, I do kind of act them out. Cool. I do kind of see how, how, did, how would this, if I was a real person saying these lines, would it work? The old, the old, uh, quote or adage from uh, Harrison Ford talking to Steven Spielberg about Star Wars. He goes, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. Yeah. I don't want that to happen with Slate Nash. I don't want it to be right. one of those things where it's like, oh, that, that doesn't sound human or at all. Right. Uh, or any other book I write. So, yeah. Do you ever have an idea come to you when um, you don't have paper around? Like, do you always have a plan? Like, for me, like, I'll forget it. It'll be something great and I'll forget it. Or I'll, I'll remember sure. just a little bit of it. Like, what's, what do you do? Do you have a recorder with you? Like, I use my uh, my cell phone instead of because I always I always, what I oftentimes do is nice. I'll pull my cell phone out and I'll send myself I'll write an email and I'll send myself that email I send the email to myself awesome. so then I'll see that email flashing my phone later on I was I was on a during during COVID I was on a date with someone uh, <laughs> and, 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 and we were watching some random horror movie and, uh, and the the an idea for um 
for Ipswich hit me while I was writing. So, oh my gosh, that's great. And so I took my eyes, my eyes off the screen with the way it was writing. It was texting, writing, actually writing a message on the phone. And she was freaking out by something that was on the screen. I couldn't care less. And so it's, it, it obviously didn't help the date, but it helped it helped my, my writing. Right. So that's right. why I always have my phone with me. And I was, yeah. Let's write a message in there. That's cool. I'm always looking for tips. Like, yeah, I just wonder how other writers do it. You know, I'm an aspiring writer. Like, I don't know if I got anything good. I think I kind of have something, but yeah, I always forget it. You know, I always have something great and I forget it. And I'm like, I got to stop doing that. I got to write it down or record it or something on like a recording app or something. But yeah, that's just the toughest part, especially when you do have writer's block, right? Because it does help. And definitely the improv does because you could just go wherever you want and you've you'll get something probably out of that for sure. That's great. Yeah. And, and and don't, don't besmirch your name as an aspiring writer. We're all aspiring. We're all still aspiring. Sure. If you're a writer, you're a writer. There's right. Nothing, whether you're getting paid for it or not. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And Steve's definitely a good writer. Well, I, uh, I'm just really old and ancient. And so the wisdom that comes with that. It's wise. Uh, it's wise. <laughs> totally. <kidding. laughs> wise. <laughs> um, I, I know with my own writing, I, I tend to, you know, like Ethan does, I, I outline it. I know what point A looks like, and I've got yep. a solid idea on what point Z looks like. And then yeah. points B to Y, sometimes they fill themselves in, and sometimes they alter, and, and, and things grow organically as uh, through the process. Sure. But I, I've always found that if I have a, a, a decent destination point, it's always easier to kind of cure some of that writer's block. Yeah. Um, right. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I know I, it, when I was younger, I would try to write something. I'd sit down. I'm like, all right, well, here's here's the dude. Here's the hero. And I'd start writing. And it's like I, you know, a couple chapters in, I'm like, I don't know where the hell I'm going with this. And, and you drop it. You're like, shit, so, you this know, is like, Star Wars again. It's already been done. Damn it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know there was a Freddy Krueger already. No, uh, but it was, it, you know. Same name. It, this dude was drowned yeah, and he exactly. comes back every year on the 13th of Friday. Oh, shit. Well, and at my age, you forget more than you know. So it's, uh, <laughs> but no, it, it, it helps, uh, I think, really having that end point to at least yeah. get yourself navigationally towards. And, you know, otherwise, uh, yeah, it, it, it can be tough to, to overcome. Writer's block is a real thing, man. And, and right. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real deal. So with COVID, Ethan, you know, that's inhibited everybody's ability to do pretty much everything. How are you coming through this, this wave of the in- amazing year that's been 2020? <laughs> I about I'm spit my water out. I mean, I'm impressed you can say that without the, <laughs> with a straight face. Uh, but the 2020 minutes, it's just mm. it's a mess. Because I obviously moved out here. Pretty much, I've only been out here for Damn. a little over a year. So COVID hit right in the middle of me being here. And uh, the first year the first year of me being here. And it, it, bizarrely enough, I mean, COVID is a horrible, horrible thing. But it's, it's, there's a few opportunities it's actually given me. But when I first got here and I was still... Uh, you know, grinding and, and hustling and waiting for the contract to go through for the option that I was getting, I had to, of course, have a day job. And LA is crazy expensive, so all I did was I all I did for 60 hours a week was drive for Lyft and for Grubhub, things like that. And it was in, in LA traffic; it's grueling, grinding, oh, brutal. And then once COVID hit, I couldn't do that anymore, obviously. And I was able to start getting unemployment. And then I was able to, and then I actually filed. I actually, you know, uh, applied for a full blown. Uh, small business loan to actually just write and I got it. And so I had enough money to, to just literally write Great. and to just develop things. And then of course the, the, the deal went through with, uh, with platinum also. So I was able to work at the studio now uh, uh, officially. So it's so many things happened. So it's, 
it's a weird way the world shutting down and going to the pot that kind of gave me a breather gave me a chance to really sure. focus on being an artist again to focus on being a writer again in a way that i just didn't have initially that's huge because uh, you know right now um at the verge of sounding cheesy you know this is the time where people need entertainment the most you know i mean yeah. we, we've got we've got covid we we have just blistering political situations oh, out there on on either side and yeah. you know it's a country in chaos and turmoil you know and so to be able to have that entertainment and and for people like you to be able to focus on it you know it just it provides relief for people and you know you got people like us in middle america here who you know we we hear about a lot of it um don't necessarily see it all all the time but you know we're just as tired as anybody else and mm -hmm. uh, and and to be able to have those outlets and and to have people creating still and to still having things coming out on streaming and and new comics you know i mean i'm still buying comics every single week you know i mean it's a it's a great escape you know i, I haven't been impacted from a work perspective but uh i've been impacted from a exhaustion perspective you know and uh it's uh it's nice to have those escapes so i'm, I'm glad you're able to do that Absolutely. Oh, of course, yeah. Entirely. You mentioned escape, me, escapism in and of itself, because this is a time. If you remember, if going back to the Great Depression back in the twenties, how the theaters didn't—they actually, because there was no COVID, the theaters were thriving then because people still wanted escapism, still wanted a chance to get away from it. In a sense, comic book shops have been thriving. They've actually their sales have gone up more so than they were before because people are trying to find something, a form of entertainment, or find something to do that keeps their mind off of the the nightmare that is this year. And, um, and obviously, as a comic book writer and creator, it's the best time for me to write and create. Sure. Um, and in the, actually, we have been talking to studios like you know Warner Brothers and Legendary or DreamWorks, especially DreamWorks. Wow. Scott knows them, but they, they, how they still, they're like, please, please give us content because they're 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 really they're right. almost tapped dry because like the everything they had and everything they already had, they've kind of gone through post-production and they've already done, done all the editing is they're they're running out of stuff so they they need things on deck to get ready to go as sure. soon as they can so it's a it's a the best if you are a creator out there if you are a josh peterson uh and you have lots of you're an aspiring <laughs> writer that's a full-blown writer uh please hone your craft get stuff going because the best time but bizarrely enough this is one of the best times to actually have uh to put your story out there right get your story going because right. people, people will listen now. People want to know, but people want more content. Sure. I'm a huge, I, I mentioned this to Steve. Steve knows this. I'm a huge anime fan. And I watched so much anime uh, during COVID. Uh, the goofier, the better, because it is such a, <laughs> form of, a great form of escapism. Right. Seeing, seeing the 17-year-olds slay monsters and jump around happy with a smile. It's like, oh my gosh, this is completely unlike my world, but it makes all the sense in the world to me, and I love it. It's fun. Right, right. So, yeah. You know, and I used to be, I used to find it bizarre watching anime characters slicing off other characters' heads with swords to, to the uh, music of pop music. You know, it was just always bizarre to me. And now I find it insanely comforting. So, <laughs> comforting. You know, so just here, here's a question Netflix, Ultraman, have you seen it? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm three episodes in, and it is amazing. I was surprised. Yeah. I was surprised too. Um, it's, it's, but I, I, I never saw the one before the original. I just saw this one. Oh, I, saw, I was familiar with the original, but this is—I'm actually enjoying it too. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I was around for the original, and it, <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's, yeah. 
it didn't hold up quite as well today, the original, but uh, no, no. the the new one, the animation itself even is just phenomenal. Is it yeah, regular it's animation cool. or is it anime? It's one of those things where it falls into the category of like the Avatar, where it's between. It's yeah. like it okay. was a American influenced or American production was involved with the Japanese. Okay. Collaboration. That's... It's got a feel <laughs> of anime meets um like digital almost video game type graphic okay sure yeah. sure gotcha yeah. gotcha yeah. have you guys seen yeah. this is probably like a tear down or two but have you seen this the transformers is it war for cybertron on netflix but most of them are really good the yeah. last one i saw was great yeah yeah that's, I saw was great. that's what i saw too I, I just caught myself like it was really um binge worthy i just had it on one night and just kept going and going and going and i don't really know much about that world the cyber the war i think it's called war for cybertron that's it yep transformers great build up and then yeah yeah that one's similar to like star wars clone wars and that the the animated series in lots of ways is better than my live action movies (laughs) you're you're like why can't this be a movie it's like when you watch um a video yes. game intro anymore you're like man this is great i could see this on the big screen with actors you know like actual actors and stuff and and in fact most times they have actual actors in the in the scenes you know they got the they probably got yes. those uh, dot suits on but i'm like why aren't we getting this in movies <laughs> it's like how come this I, stuff's I better know. i honestly don't know <laughs> i i genuinely yeah. don't know it's blowing it does yeah. it does it's like they just don't get it it's like man this is fantastic right. Like just throw this on the screen. Even, even with the, I know you guys aren't the biggest of gamers, but with video games, they released a series recently called Dragon's Dogma, which is based off the video game Dragon's Dogma from uh, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen from like 2012 and 2017. And it's a the, the series on Netflix is only seven episodes long, but it's uh, it's a very well done series that does still adhere pretty pretty much to the, the video game. And if you if they took those seven episodes and kind of made them into a one movie, it worked. Sure. And anytime people are like, "Oh, you can't, make, you can just can't adapt a video game into a feature film," it's like, "No, you definitely can." <laughs> as long as you have decent writers. The same thing with with the Transformers. You only yeah. can't make a, a kids show into a great movie. It's like, no, you definitely can. Just have good writers or good people at the helm, right, working on it, and not Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Bumblebee was actually a breath of fresh air. I thought. Great, I think, yeah, but it didn't involve him. Yeah, right. It was Jordan, Jordan Knight, uh, the guy from Kubo, um, from White oh, right. Studios. Yeah, yeah, it was a decent watch. Yeah, you know, I know we were fantasy casting the characters, but directors. Is there any directors that catch your eye? Oh my god, yes. I'm afraid <laughs> there is. My first. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how Steve feels about this. My first, first. And I won't spill too much tea about this, but my first choice is definitely Guillermo del Toro. Oh wow. Um, and that's and all, all. All I will say is that that's not an impossibility. I'll leave it at that. Nice. So. That would be cool. Yeah, that. Uh, I could see it. I could see it. Got talent everywhere. Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. He sure does. And he loves his monsters, and he loves his kind of uh, goofy characters, that kind of stuff. So he's definitely my first choice. That's a great choice. Our, our, our That's awesome. It's a great choice. I know I am excited for Mandalorian to come out next month. Have you? Uh, what was your thoughts on that? Did you like the first season? Oh, of course. I loved it. I actually um, simulcast it with a buddy of mine back in Virginia. We watched it every Friday morning. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was like, Disney Plus. And we thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I remember the first episode, I guess it's not spoilers now mentioning Baby Yoda since he's in trailers, but in that first episode, at the end of that first episode, and Baby Yoda popped up. And uh, and I heard, I literally heard him 
dropped his bowl of cereal like on the ground at shock, <laughs> and he was watching it. Uh, and and I, I was like, this is incredible. This is incredible. And it was so well done. There mm-hmm. was no crazy download. It was just like just seeing it there and just is amazing. And of course, for season two now, it looks like all that, but more, but better, mm-hmm. but greater. Uh, so I'm thoroughly, and I know uh, Asuka shows up. Uh, Steve, have oh, you yeah. watched? Are you familiar with Asuka from uh, Clone Wars? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I know Asuka shows up. I'm not sure how big a role she has it, but I know she's there. And uh, I know that Boba Fett does show up. Spoiler alerts. I'm not sure what he does. Obviously, Giancarlo Esposito's back. I love Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Giancarlo Esposito has has found a, a, a niche for himself. He plays the very suave bad guy in so many things. Everything from Better Call Saul to uh, The Boys to now the, yeah. the man of the brand. He's, he's the greatest of the greatest of being a very refined, very cool, calm, collected, uber badass. And I love it. Is he the dude yeah, with the yeah, white yeah. lightsaber or the black saber? Is that what they call it? Yes, the black. Yeah, I love that actor, man. 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 He's been yeah. he's been yeah. uh, do the right thing. I think he probably goes back yes. further than that. But I remember I I see him here and there. I'm I'm so happy he gets. Um, he's kind of getting his due, you know, in a way, in a big right. big bad way. Like yeah, when he busts out that saber, I was like, whoa, that's that's a way to finish a, sh- a show. Like that's something Absolutely. to go towards. Yeah, that that's gonna be really cool. Yes. Really cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, and spoiler, I mean, I'm not spoiler, but I was so glad to see he see that he survived at the end of the first yeah. season too. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna play a huge, huge part. You know, he is, and uh, I'm just glad Apollo Creed's still in it. Yes, I mean, Apollo Carl Creed Weathers, survived. man. <laughs> <laughs> and Apollo get Creed. get this, he's gonna be one of the directors this season too. Really, he is. Yes, yes. Yeah, and Carl Weathers has always just been one of my favorite actors. Um, Agreed. Since the since the Rocky days, man, I just thought he was the freaking coolest part of Rocky, and you know he was just, you know, so in Rocky three or Rocky four, I mean, it was just like, are you kidding me? You know, but uh, <laughs> if Rocky it was, it was almost like, almost a like John Wick experience, like if, John Wick goes goes crazy when his dog dies, right? Or he goes yeah. Crazy yeah. If Rocky wants to go yeah, the was, shock uh, and all route, they'll bring him back, Apollo, and yeah. he'll he have <laughs> faked his death, or he's a twin or a clone. <laughs> They'll get sci-fi with it. I can see it. I can see it. Why not? Why like, not? You know, you know, they desperately. I think has yeah. done right by Rocky at the end. I think. Yeah, you know, that four I know. And five. I know. Was probably some of the lower points. But if you've seen uh, Last Blood, uh, you'll understand. Like he could go shitty again, and he could really reach. Yeah, and yeah. I've heard. I've I not could, seen it. I could yeah. see like let's you know he'd be like let's revive him you know and they bring him back and <laughs> he's like Frankenstein. <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh, no no no. <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow, I guess Rainbow Five was definitely a low point. Rainbow Four was good. It was very gritty. Over oh the top yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Expendables, the early Expendables were good, but Expendables Three kind of got a little out of hand. Right. Uh, but then, uh, in Creed One was great. Yeah. But Creed Two wasn't as good. It wasn't wasn't terrible. But it wasn't as good as the first one. Right. So it can go. It, it can go either way. It's kind of unnecessary, yeah. but I did enjoy the ride. But yeah, that first one yeah. was special and. What that's just an incredible franchise. It, you know, it was pretty much dead, and then, you know, like it was dead after five. And then Rocky Balboa brought it back, and then you thought, oh, yeah, you thought that's it, that's it, right? Can't go anywhere else. Creed, and you're like, oh my god, this is yeah. so cool. And then, yeah, absolutely. So I guess they could yeah, do it down the road. Great, yeah, for sure. And Stallone's one of those guys that he's either insane or he's amazing. I mean, there's no happy medium, it seems like. A bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I mean, it's, it's, you guys know this, too. As an artist, there's no, like, if, you, if you're going to half-ass, don't, don't half-ass art. Use both cheeks. 
Yeah. Uh, whatever you preach. <laughs> yeah, man. Going full ass. Yes, yeah. Dude, he could have yeah, sold yeah, the Rocky awesome. script uh, any time because they wanted like uh, I think Robert Redford and Burt Reynolds to star, and Literally he was like, Robert. Yeah, yeah then that nuts, yeah, and he was like, no, I want to do it, and wow, he really he a lot of money. He was dirt <laughs> broke. He was like, he was. I mean, he was extremely broke. sold he his dog. All kinds of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he so, 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 sold so Bookis. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Extremely broke, and they uh, right. He's like, I. He did a massive, massive. It wasn't just a massive pay cut, Josh. It was also the idea that they were, they pretty much had someone on set, or they saw dailies. Can't remember what it was, but they actually were kind of hovering over him. And pretty much, if they didn't like what he turned wow. in every day, they had the right to fire him and fire <laughs> replace him, uh, essentially. No so that pressure. Kind of pressure. Yeah. He still was able to make. So in a lot of ways, it very much is art imitating life, Rocky, and that, and that comes across, which is why it's so still to this day so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. I love Carl Weathers. He went away for a bit, to me anyway, and he would pop up here and there. You know, obviously, like Happy Gilmore, you're like, what the hell is he doing in an Adam Sandler movie? Gilmore. That's great. <laughs> then, uh, uh, Arrested Development. He was amazing in Arrested Development. Oh, was he? Okay. Comedy scene. I got to check that show out. I'm probably like the last one who hasn't seen that show, but yeah, he is. He's funny. Oh, yeah. He's very talented. And he was a former athlete, I believe. And Yes. Yeah, he's I'm just, athlete. I'm so happy. And I don't know if he did this as a tactic, but... He was when I do in the press circuit for the first season of Mandalorian. He was like, uh, "Yeah, John said I could direct next season." You know, and I'm sure they told him that behind the scenes. But you know, how it can go with deals and stuff. Like, oh, well, how about <laughs> yeah, season absolutely. three? I don't. I almost wanted he threw that out there to the press. Like, if I don't get the job, you can go hound him. And I was really hoping right. <laughs> it would happen. I was like, "What a great treat!" You know, he's been acting you, forever, right. and he gets That's an impressive. Day. Yeah, that, I couldn't help but think that. I would like to think they're all, like, happy-go-lucky, and sure you can. And if you just put out on Front Street, it's like, well, we got to do it now. You know, if they really were <laughs> yeah. just trying to BS him. But that's just such right. a treat for an actor, a veteran actor of his stature to be able to... And I don't know if he's directed anything else, but that's a big either. deal. That's a big deal for him to direct yeah. an episode. That's fantastic. Well, at, at, at bare minimum, he's spoken into existence, which is great. It's right. great for him. Uh, I, and, and based purely off of the trailer for season two, they all look, it looks better than season one. It's very, yeah. very strong. I'm not sure how the episode actually will end up, but uh, so I, I have more power to him if he actually has written some of the things or wants to try his hand at this. But there is a, obviously that brain trust at, um, for Mandalorian versus John Favreau and mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard. Hawaii TV. Yeah. What's the uh, what's her name? Uh, Debbie, 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 Debbie Chong. Um, mm, yeah, it's, 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 it could be. It's, yeah. I know you're talking about. I don't recall yeah, the name. Yeah, it's the woman that's going to direct uh, Obi Wan series. Oh yeah, that's right. right that's right. right. And uh, Dave yeah. Filoni is the other one, I think. And he, Dave Filoni's there. Filoni, yeah. yeah. He did. I think yeah, he did the Clone Wars or something. That, that's Kathleen Clone. Kennedy brought him and John together, and then they developed. Right. So, yeah, and he never directed either. So it's kind of a cool little uh, team they have, you know, like Bryce, yes, Bryce Dallas Howard. Team. I don't think she directed either. Obviously, her father has. And, uh, you right. know, I think he did a great solo film, honestly, with given what was on the line and what went down. Um, I thought it was decent and I could see her definitely in the future. I mean, it's great to uh, have the possibility of directing other things. You know, it's kind of like, well, here's my resume, just like Carl Weathers. You know, he can retire from acting if he wants to and direct sky's yes. the limit and, and, it's and, great and oftentimes i mean the ben affleck or whatnot were oftentimes yeah. actors if you were going to be a actor's director if you understand the mechanics of actually 
having your actors tell the story really well. Yep. And obviously the basic fundamentals of shooting and lighting that kind of stuff too, and bringing the right crew in for it, you, you stand the potential to be a really good director. Absolutely. So I'm all for it too. I love it. Yeah. The, the only bad thing about Mandalorian season two is, um, I've, I got Disney plus for free my first year. I didn't know I was going to get it for free, but I was a Verizon unlimited, you know, I, I you know, right. I'm all, right. you know, I'm a snob right now, uh, showcasing that, <laughs> but no, I was just like, I get this for free. Fantastic. And I think my year's about up. So I'm like, damn, I'm going to have to start buying the service, especially with the Mandalorian <laughs> coming. Win. I know it was. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm like, damn you! I have HBO Max now. I'm like, ah, it's like cable again, yeah, but it's, it's still better. It's still better. <laughs> no, no, and, and obviously, since you brought up HBO Max before, that Steve, you guys go is. Uh, have you guys checked out any of Lovecraft Country yet? I want to. Not it's yet. on my list. I've heard great okay. things. Yeah, it's it's a great great show, but it's um because obviously the idea is based off a book written by Matt Ruff, not based off of directly off of uh hp lovecraft stuff oh, okay it's a very really it's a really it's so it's more or less it's a world the show is set in a world where hp lovecraft existed and was a writer um but more or less the things they're dealing with or encountering you could say that hp lovecraft saw them and oh. basically wrote a book about them <laughs> nice wow god it's creative uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to get too much more into it. Sure, it, sure. It's, but... it's fun because each episode in and of itself is like a different genre. Like sometimes there's a haunted house, or sometimes it's, it's like a uh, it's a them versus the Battle of Cthulhu kind of type of thing. Sure. It's, it's a very eclectic show, but it's done extremely well. And of course, the best part—not the best part—a big part about it is that the lead, Atticus, is played by an actor named Jonathan Majors. And Jonathan Majors was officially cast. They announced it uh, last week, I think it was, that he was officially cast as. Kang the Conqueror in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic. Oh, that's Universe. great! That's so. great. I love that we're you brought us news. This is fantastic. I mean, I've already heard it, but you brought it out, and yeah, that's that's great casting, right? Like, I I didn't really know yeah. that actor. I did see the the images and stuff like that, and maybe some clips, but I definitely want to check that show out. But yeah, good for good on him. To must have been a hell of yeah. performance, you know. Just to, that's a that's a big Absolutely. part, right? I did Absolutely, hear. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. I heard Ant Man three is going to be quite different than the first two, which but, I'm game. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I yeah. like the first two. I but yeah, I think you can only do the heist thing so much, right? Like you got to kind of bring yes. it into the the MCU per se. You know, like there's other right. characters. Right. Different kind of yeah, the, the level. Right. And obviously, if you if using you guys are you guys know this as well as I do. Kang is obviously someone who travels through time. He's like a super duper version of a Terminator meets Doc Brown from Back to the Future. <laughs> so if you have exactly. someone that's bending, or even a Time Lord from, Doc, from a Doctor Who, if you have someone that's able to do that kind of stuff, he's not a temporary or a small daddy. He's a big, larger, almost kind of on the same level of as like Thanos. He'll be around for a while, doing a lot of stuff. So I'm, nice. I'm excited for that. What well, makes you wonder if the yeah, breadcrumbs were laid when Scott was in the. Um... Oh, forgive me. Where where was he? Where <laughs> the time? Oh, but yes, the uh, the, uh, the, the the after he got shrunk down. The, yes, that, that, quantum that realm dimension. Yeah, quantum realm. Yep. Yeah. So maybe he was like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really clever at I'm, laying I'm, the breadcrumbs, you know. Right. Exactly. Right on. Right on. Good stuff. Well, Ethan, man, uh, we just want to thank you so much for joining the show today again. Um, yeah, huge absolutely. success to you and uh, uh, with Echelon and Platinum. Uh, that partnership we're uh we're just you know again we're both just insanely happy for you uh couldn't happen to a nicer guy and uh you know we uh we're, we're looking forward to the future with you Absolutely. thank you so much steve and josh it's always 
it's always good. Sorry, sorry, it's been the on air. It's been a while since we asked, we, asked, we last talked, to, but it's always a pleasure being on here. Thanks again, for, and congrats to you guys and your show. Oh, thank uh, you. You guys were literally the first podcast I ever went on, the first show. And you guys have been gracious and generous to me ever since, well, on on and off air. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much. That's yeah. so great to hear. And yeah, like Steve said, we're so happy for you. you know, big congratulations. It's just like it's a dream come true, you know, for just us as fans for you to you know come into this. This is fantastic and. Yeah, you just hard work pays off, right? <laughs> it, it eventually, eventually, for all of us, all of us aspiring writers, Josh, all of us aspiring writers. Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, if you guys are up for it, you know, I have a podcast. We have two podcasts now. But if you're up for coming on our show, please. Oh, absolutely. Come on. We'd love to have you on there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. game. I'm game. Sure. Right and it, it's it's designed for writers too. It's uh, creativity and progress is where we literally tell Ooh. a story together. We do like D and D style where we roll the die for sure for the genre, we roll the die for the oh, settings, sweet. we roll the die for the archetypes, and then based off of that, we have to tell a story. And we have Ari there, <laughs> the the same one who was on the show last time with me. She who does the cover for issue number four of Slate Nash. She draws in real time the characters that we come up with during oh the my gosh. episode, and so that's so you actually see them uh, illustrated how they look. She's an amazing artist. So, so That's love to have you. if you're an aspiring, quote unquote, aspiring writer, it's a great show to be on and kind of test your skills and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. That's man, amazing. That sounds fantastic. You want to uh, plug those real quick for everybody? Sure. It's um it's it's at the it's under the CIP network. Uh, and the show is called Creativity in Progress. It is the podcast is on Stitcher Premium, it's on uh any iTunes, in your any podcast you might have. You can also go to our website at echelongnovels.com and link to the podcast from there uh, or the CIP network.com. Um, it's both, it's a collaboration with me and my, my partners. So it's, yeah, definitely come on there, check it out. Uh, Josh Peterson and Steve Wright literally signed in a contract in blood saying they'll be, they'll be on the show as guests. Yes. Uh, ASAP. <laughs> I cut too much, but yeah, yeah, I did sign in blood. <laughs> I did. I'm getting woozy. Yep. He, he's a bleeder. I am. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> he's a bleeder. Steve threw it from long away. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. We, I, I, we'd be happy to do that. That's um, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, it's exciting. But yeah, you know, this show uh, is, is a living, breathing example of good things happening to good people. And uh, Ethan, we uh, can't wait to see you again. Thanks again, brothers. Really appreciate it. Thanks, right. Ethan. Appreciate it. For Field of Geeks, I'm Steve. I'm Josh. I was Ethan. And he was Ethan. <laughs> he was and Ethan. He still is. And he still is. <laughs> One and only. See you next time. Thanks. See you. Thank you.